Chapter Twenty Seven of Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My dear Mr. Pip, I write this by request of Mr. Gargery, for to let you know that he is going to London in company with Mr. Wopsle, and would be glad, if agreeable, to be allowed to see you. He would call at Barnard's Hotel Tuesday morning at nine o'clock. When, if not agreeable, please leave word. Your poor sister is much the same as when you left. We talk of you in the kitchen every night, and wonder what you are saying and doing. If now considered in the light of a liberty, excuse it for the love of poor old days. No more, dear Mr. Pip, from your ever obliged and affectionate servant, Biddy. P.S. He wishes me most particular to write what larks. He says you will understand. I hope and do not doubt it will be agreeable to see him, even though a gentleman, for you had ever a good heart, and he is a worthy, worthy man. I have read him all, excepting only the last little sentence, and he wishes me most particular to write again what larks. I received this letter by the post on Monday morning, and therefore its appointment was for next day. Let me confess exactly with what feelings I look forward to Joe's coming. Not with pleasure, though I was bound to see him by so many ties. No, with considerable disturbance, some mortification, and a keen sense of incongruity. If I could have kept him away by paying money, I certainly would have paid money. My greatest reassurance was that he was coming to Barnard's Inn, and not to Hammersmith and consequently would not fall in Bentley Drummle's way. I had little objection to his being seen by Herbert or his father, for both of whom I had a respect, but I had the sharpest sensitiveness as to his being seen by Drummle, whom I held in contempt. So throughout life our worst weaknesses and meannesses are usually committed for the sake of the people whom we most despise. I had begun to be always decorating the chambers in some quite unnecessary and inappropriate way or another, and very expensive those wrestles with Barnard proved to be. By this time the rooms were vastly different from what I had found them, and I enjoyed the honour of occupying a few prominent pages in the books of a neighbouring upholsterer. I had got on so fast of late that I had even started a boy in boots, top boots, in bondage and slavery to whom i might have been said to pass my days for after i had made the monster out of the refuse of my washerwoman's family and had clothed him with a blue coat canary waistcoat white cravat creamy breeches and the boots already mentioned i had to find him a little to do and a great deal to eat and with both of these horrible requirements he haunted my existence this avenging phantom was ordered to be on duty at eight on Tuesday morning in the hall. It was two feet square, as charged for floor-cloth. And Herbert suggested certain things for breakfast that he thought Joe would like. While I felt sincerely obliged to him for being so interested and considerate, I had an odd, half-provoked sense of suspicion upon me that if Joe had been coming to see him, he wouldn't have been quite so brisk about it. However, I came into town on the Monday night to be ready for Joe, and I got up early in the morning and caused the sitting-room and breakfast-table to assume their most splendid appearance. Unfortunately, the morning was drizzly, and an angel could not have concealed the fact 
that barnard was shedding sooty tears outside the window like some weak giant of a sweep as the time approached i should have liked to have run away but the avenger pursuant to orders was in the hall and presently i heard joe on the staircase i knew it was joe by his clumsy manner of coming up the stairs his state boots being always too big for him and by the time it took him to read the names on the other floors in the course of his ascent when at last he stopped outside our door i could hear his finger tracing over the painted letters of my name and afterwards i distinctly heard him breathing in at the keyhole finally he gave a faint single rap and pepper such was the compromising name of the avenging boy announced mr gargery i thought he never would have done wiping his feet and that i must have gone out to lift him off the mat but at last he came in joe joe how are you joe pip how are you pip with his good honest face all glowing and shining and his hat pulled down on the floor between us he caught both my hands and worked them straight up and down as if i had been the last patented pump i'm glad to see you joe give me your hat but joe taking it up carefully with both hands like a bird's nest with eggs in it wouldn't hear of parting with that piece of property and persisted in standing talking over it in a most uncomfortable way which that you have growed said joe and that swelled and that gentle folk joe considered a little before he discovered this word as to be sure you are an honour to your king and country and you joe look wonderfully well thank god said joe amerkable to most and your sister she's no worse than she were and biddy she's ever right and ready and all friends is no back at her if not no forrader septon wopsle and he's at a drop at this time still with both hands taking great care of the bird's nest joe was rolling his eyes round and round the room and round and round the flowered pattern of my dressing-gown had a drop joe why yes said joe lowering his voice he's left the church and went into the play-acting which play-acting have likewise brought him to london along with me and his wish were said joe getting the bird's nest under his left arm for the moment and groping in it for an egg with his right if no offence as i wouldn't you that i took what joe gave me and i found it to be the crumpled playbill of a small metropolitan theatre announcing the first appearance in that very week of the celebrated provincial amateur of roskian renown whose unique performance in the highest tragic walk of our national bard has lately occasioned so great a sensation in local dramatic circles were you at his performance joe i inquired i were said joe with emphasis and solemnity was there a great sensation why said joe yes there certainly were a peck of orange peel particular when you see the ghost though i put it to yourself sir whether it were calculated to keep a man up to his work with a good heart be continually cutting in and betwixt him and the ghost with amen a man may have had a misfortune and been in the church said joe lowering his voice to an argumentative and feeling tone but that's no reason why you should put him out at such a time which i mean to say if the ghost of a man's own father cannot be allowed to claim his attention what can sir still more when his mourning and is unfortunately made so small is that the weight of the black feathers brings it off try to keep it on how you may 
a ghost-seeing effect in joe's own countenance informed me that herbert had entered the room so i presented joe to herbert who held out his hand but joe backed from it and held on by the bird's nest your servant sir said joe which i hope as you and pip here his eye fell on the avenger who was putting some toast on the table and so plainly denoted an intention to make that young gentleman one of the family that i frowned it down and confused him more i mean to say you two gentlemen which i hope as you get your healths in this close spot for the present may be a werry good inn according to london opinions said joe confidentially and i believe its character do stand but i wouldn't keep a pig in it myself not in the case that i wished him to fatten wholesome and eat with a meller flavour on him having borne this flattering testimony to the merits of our dwelling-place and having incidentally shown this tendency to call me sir joe being invited to sit down to table looked all round the room for a suitable spot on which to deposit his hat as if it were only on some very few rare substances in nature that it could find a resting-place and ultimately stood it on an extreme corner of the chimney-piece from which it ever afterwards fell off at intervals do you take tea or coffee mr gargery asked herbert who always presided of a morning thank ye sir said joe stiff from head to foot i'll take whichever is most agreeable to yourself what do you say to coffee thank ye sir returned joe evidently dispirited by the proposal since you are so kind as to make choice of coffee i will not run contrary to your own opinions but don't you never find it a little eating say tea then said herbert pouring it out here joe's hat tumbled off the mantelpiece and he started out of his chair and picked it up and fitted it to the same exact spot as if it were an absolute point of good breeding that it should tumble off again soon when did you come to town mr gargery were it yesterday afternoon said joe after coughing behind his hand as if he had had time to catch the whooping cough since he came no it were not yes it were yes it were yesterday afternoon with the appearance of mingled wisdom relief and strict impartiality have you seen anything of london yet why yes sir said joe me and wopsle went off straight to look at the black us, but we didn't find that it come up to its likeness in the red bills at the shop doors which i mean to say added joe in an explanatory manner as it is there drawed to architectural i believe joe would have prolonged this word mighty expressive to my mind of some architecture that i know into a perfect chorus but for his attention being providentially attracted by his hat which is toppling indeed it demanded from him a constant attention and a quickness of eye and hand very like that exacted by wicket-keeping he made extraordinary play with it and showed the greatest skill now rushing at it and catching it neatly as it dropped now merely stopping it midway beating it up and humouring it in various parts of the room and against a good deal of the pattern of the paper on the wall before he felt safe to close with it finally splashing it into the slop basin where i took the liberty of laying hands upon it as to his shirt collar and coat collar they were perplexing to reflect upon insoluble mysteries both why should a man scrape himself to that extent before he consider himself full dressed why should he suppose it necessary to be purified by suffering for his holiday clothes then he fell into such unaccountable fits of meditation with his fork midway between his plate and his mouth had his eyes attracted in such strange directions was afflicted with such remarkable coughs sat so far from the table 
and dropped so much more than he ate, and pretended that he hadn't dropped it, that I was heartily glad when Herbert left us for the city. I had neither the good sense nor the good feeling to know this was all my fault, and that if I had been easier with Joe, Joe would have been easier with me. I felt impatient of him, and out of temper with him, in which condition he heaped coals of fire upon my head. "'Us two being now alone, sir,' began Joe. "'Joe,' I interrupted pettishly, "'how can you call me sir?' Joe looked at me for a single instant with something faintly like reproach. Utterly preposterous as his cravat was, and as his collars were, I was conscious of a sort of dignity in the look. "'Us two being now alone,' resumed Joe, and me having the intentions and abilities to stay not many minutes more, I will now conclude, leastways begin, to mention what I have led to my having the present honour, for it was not, said Joe, with his old air of lucid exposition, that my only wish were to be useful to you. I should not have had the honour of breaking whittles in the company and abode of gentlemen. I was so unwilling to see the look again, that I made no remonstrance against this tone. Well, sir, pursued Joe. This is how it were. I were at the bargeman t'other night, Pip. Whenever he subsided into affection, he called me Pip, and whenever he relapsed into politeness, he called me Sir. When I came up in his shay-cart, Pumblechook, which that same identical, said Joe, going down a new track, do comb my hair the wrong way, sometimes awful by giving it up and down town as it were in whichever had your infant companionation and were looked upon as a playfellow by yourself. Nonsense, it was you, Joe, which I fully believed it were, Pip, said Joe, slightly tossing his head, though it signify little now, sir. Well, Pip, this same identical, which his manners is given to blusterous, came to me at the bargeman. What a pipe and a pint of beer do give refreshment to the working man, sir, and do not overstimulate. And his word were, Joseph, Miss Aversham, she wished to speak to you. Miss Havisham, Joe, she wish, were Pumblechook's word, to speak to you. Joe sat and rolled his eyes at the ceiling. Yes, Joe, go on, please. Next day, sir, said Joe, looking at me as if I were a long way off. Having cleaned myself, I go and see Miss A. Miss A, Joe, Miss Havisham, which I say, sir, replied Joe with an air of legal formality, as if he were making his will. Miss A, or otherwise, Havisham. Her expression er then as following. Mr. Gargery, you are in correspondence with Mr. Pip. Having had a letter from you, I were able to say I am. When I married your sister, sir, I said, I will, and when I answered your friend Pip, I said, I am. Would you tell him then, said she, that which is Stella has come home and would be glad to see him? I felt my face fire up as I looked at Joe. I hope one remote cause of its firing might have been my consciousness, that if I had known his errand, I should have given him more encouragement. Biddy, pursued Joe, when I got home and asked for her to write the message to you, a little hung back. Biddy says, I know you would be very glad to have it by word of mouth. It is holiday time. You want to go and see him. Go. I have now concluded, sir, said Joe, rising from his chair. And Pip, I wish you ever well and ever prospering to a greater and greater height. But you are not going now, Joe. Yes, I am, said Joe. "'But you are coming back to dinner, Joe.' "'No, I'm not,' said Joe. Our eyes met, and all the sir melted out of that manly heart as he gave me his hand. "'Pip, dear old chap, 
life is made of ever so many partings welded together as i may say and one man's a blacksmith and one's a whitesmith and one's a goldsmith and one's a coppersmith divisions amongst such must come and must be met as they come if there's being any fault at all to-day it's mine you and me is not two figures to be together in london not yet anywheres else but what is private and benown and understood among friends it ain't that i'm proud but that i want to be right as you shall never see me no more in these clothes i'm wrong in these clothes i'm wrong out of the forge the kitchen or off the meshes you won't find half so much fault in me if you think of me in my forge dress with my hammer in my hand or even my pipe you won't find half so much fault in me if supposing as you should ever wish to see me you come and put your head in at the forge window and see joe the blacksmith there at the old anvil in the old burnt apron sticking to the old work i'm awful dull but i hope i've beat out something nigh the rights of this at last and so god bless you dear old pip old chap god bless you i had not been mistaken in my fancy that there was a simple dignity in him the fashion of his dress could no more come in its way when he spoke these words than it could come in its way in heaven he touched me gently on the forehead and went out as soon as i could recover myself sufficiently i hurried out after him and looked for him in the neighbouring streets but he was gone. End of chapter 27